following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, we hear a lot about, um, in the whole New Age movement about, or New Thought movement, about how we ought to be um, upbeat and not complain about anything and and to really stay on the smiley side of life and to keep affirming the positive elements of life. And I don't disagree with any of that. However, there are times when we really do have a complaint and we need to listen to what's going on to that, with that complaint. When we are telling ourselves not to feel what it is that we're feeling, what we're saying is, I don't recognize my authenticity. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about how to recognize the downside of your authenticity because it does have a downside, not to say that that means that it has a negative and because that's the way we think in the dualistic world we live in. If it's not positive, it must be negative, and if it's not negative, it must be positive. But the truth is, it's neither. It's just who we are. And when we have emotions that feel down, so to speak, or negative, as we put it, uh, what, what happens is we tend to jump on ourselves and really beat ourselves up for having those emotions and tell ourselves that, no, we shouldn't have those emotions. What we should be feeling is all this radiance and uh, all this joy. And if we don't, then the consequences will be that we will not have the good life we want. And I don't see that there's a whole lot of difference between that kind of thinking and the kind of thinking of the orthodox in which we are supposed to be constantly praising God and constantly um, being upbeat again, being smiley, being uh, uh, compassionate for other people, not thinking of ourselves very much, sacrificing ourselves, that the orthodoxy has taught us that down through the generations, and some people in, have taken it to such an extreme that the thought, even one negative thought, what we call a negative thought, which would be a complaint or a recognition that someone had done something that was quote-unquote negative, was something that we, were, we chastised ourselves mentally for, and perhaps even some people went so far as to physically um, beat themselves with all kinds of instruments to keep themselves from thinking thoughts that were quote-unquote negative. We've carried some of that orthodox thinking with us into the new, new thought movement and uh, the human potential movement, and I'd like to offer another paradigm today to that kind of thinking because I don't think it's helpful. Um, we've had a few authors that we've talked to on who've hinted at this idea that perhaps just sitting with our emotions is better than trying to tell ourselves not to feel them. 
And that's some of what we're talking about today. But it's also to recognize what is really going on around us. So many times we see that, um, let's talk about the external first and then we're going to move to the internal. So many times we hear people say, well, I don't want to judge. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to criticize. And what we're saying when we say that sometimes is, I don't want to see. You see, there was a place in even the, in the Bible where Jesus said, judge with righteous judgment, and that word righteous can be interpreted in all kinds of ways. But basically what it means is to see, in one interpretation, of course, is to see. See clearly. Make a decision about what you see. And so when we, when we look at life as life is, if we use our intuition, we use our heads, we use our common sense, then we take life as it is instead of trying to turn it into something it isn't. Um, and, and so when we tell ourselves, oh, well, don't think negative thoughts about other people, what we're saying is I might not recognize when something is about to happen to me by somebody else's hand, for example, uh, in a way that, is, uh, that could protect me or could help me or could help me to know what to do next. I think of... Uh, of paradigms, stories, narratives, if you will, uh, such as those of David uh, in the Old Testament in which he had to hide in the caves because Saul was out to get him. The king Saul was out to get him. Saul was very jealous of David and David's, David's prowess in winning some battles and um, just jealous of David in general because if he was so talented and beautiful and all that. So Saul was after him, and um, David had people to inform him of what was going on, and he also hid away from Saul. He didn't try to fight Saul. He did some a little bit of a keto. He just kind of hid away. And um, eventually, David was uh, Saul was killed in a battle, and David was made king. Uh, what what the storyline seems to indicate there, if we take it as a metaphor, strictly as a metaphor, and it is just a storyline, uh, is that perhaps what we need to be doing is paying attention to what's going on around us, listening to our, our um, uh, spies that we sort of send out. We all have an intuition, and it's our spy, if you will. It's what goes out into the world and sort of intuits what's going on out there. It takes a feeler, if you will. If you see these bugs with long antenna, they're feeling what's going on. If you see a cat with the... Uh, the uh, uh, whiskers, what they're doing is when they walk through a narrow space, their whiskers will feel the depth of that space so they can know whether or not the rest of their body can get through that space. We all have that. We as humans have something very similar, and it's called intuition. And that intuition is there for us to use to help not only protect ourselves, to help us know the direction we need to walk, to help us guide ourselves into uh, decisions we need to make, make, whether those be financial, health, um, relational, whatever. Uh, we have that intuition that is there for us to use. And when we tell ourselves, oh, well, I can't judge other people or I can't think negative, quote-unquote, negative thoughts about uh, a situation or an event, what we might be doing in that instance is shutting off the very information we need that's going to help us make a decision to run our lives in a more effective way. So when I hear people say, well, I don't want to judge, my response to that is, why not? Why not? Why not really make a judgment that you can use for yourself and for your authenticity about your life 
to help you grow. In, in one sense, that is what our emotions are for. They're not just experiences of life. They're also messages from the authentic self that tell us some things about our lives. Of course, emotions can also be created by a mask and costume. We can have all kinds of, uh, of, of uh, relative emotions that spring from a mask and costume. For example, if I have a victim identity, which is my mask and costume, and I think that all of life is bigger than me and I'm always going to lose and every battle is, is already, uh, I'm already defeated before I begin, then I'm going to probably have some pretty hard emotions about that. So that's not coming from the authentic self in that case, but that, those emotions can help me get clear about what is in the authentic self. So if I say, well, you know, life is City Hall and you can't fight City Hall, then I might question that and go, okay, what do I really believe about that? Is that really true? And if that is really true, then I might ought to make a path for myself that allows me to live and breathe without having to encounter City Hall, if that's really true, of course. If it's not really true, then perhaps I need to rethink that, See, because we have not only emotions, we also have a brain, a, a, a mind that we can use that will help us to gather enough information. We also have intuition, which will help us to gather enough information so that we can make a judgment about our lives that will help us to uh, decide the next step, decide where we're going from here. And uh, without that capacity to feel our emotions, to think our thoughts, and to use our intuition to make a judgment, we are pretty much lost about what we're going to do about a given scenario. And so what happens is we may end up repeating the same mistake again and again and again simply because we say to ourselves, well, I don't want to have any negative thoughts. I don't want to judge. And so, so that blocks us from being able to have the life we want, have the effective life we want. So that's one way that, um, that we have sort of kept ourselves from seeing clearly with regard to the New Thought Movement in some instances, not in all instances. I'll be real careful to say that. But the next one is in, as to how we treat the actual emotions that we have inside of us. What's really going on inside of me uh, could be all kinds of things. It could be relevant, as I said a moment ago, to the mask and costume I'm wearing. It could also be relevant to uh, some notion from the authentic self. For example, um, if I'm in a job that I, that I go to every day and I'm loyal and faithful to that job, I'm loyal and faithful to my, to my boss because that's what a, a good employee should be, uh, and, but I really find the tasks of the job pretty grinding. And furthermore, I'm jealous of, of a coworker who stands around talking to the boss all day long, doing nothing, and the boss lets them get away with it because the boss is having a good time, so neither one of them are doing anything. Guess who's doing all their work? Moi. So I'm going to feel pretty resentful of that. Not only do I not like my job, but I don't like having to do everybody else's tasks also. So two things are happening now. Those, the emotions, the resentments are coming up inside of me. And I go home every day and I'm just filled with resentment. I can do that for the rest of my life if I choose to. I can drink over it. I can drug over it. I can meditate over it. I can just keep plugging away and trying to make myself non-judgmental and make myself love what I do and have a good attitude. I can do that. And many of us are doing that even as I speak right now. 
But I also have another option. I could consider these emotions as a message to me and to listen to those emotions and to ask myself, what do I want to do now? What's next for me? And we're going to talk about what's next right after this break coming up. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We said after, uh, after the last session that we were going to talk just a bit about what would be next after you look at and uh, recognize an emotion that you're having, especially one that you're having fairly consistently, as in the case of the scenario in which 
someone does not like the tasks of their job and ends up having to do other people's jobs on top of that and builds resentment over a period of time as, in a, as a part of that process. What you can do is begin to go home after work and do an assessment, a real honest-to-goodness assessment of what it is that you're feeling. You sit with that feeling. What does that mean to sit with a feeling? It means to um, sort of sit beside it as if it's a little child and hear what it has to say. You might need to do this with a pen and a piece of paper to, uh, to do something Carl Jung called active imagination, where you let that feeling be an actual character. You make it a face, and you make it a body, and you give it a voice, and you, uh, you, let it, you just let that play in your mind, and you let it speak to you, and you ask it what it wants to say. And you even argue with it. You know, there's a part of you that's not going to want to recognize that resentment. You may want to say, just go away. I want you to go away. You're the bad guy. And that's so often what we do think about our emotions is that we think that if, if I'm having this negative emotion like resentment, it is not a good emotion, and therefore I should not be having it because I want to be a good person. But that's really not true. The emotion is there to give you information. Without that information, you will not be able to make the, the highest, most authentic choice for your life. And so we absent that information, we make all kinds of choices that don't work, as I said before the break. So what you can do is you're sitting there, you're listening to that emotion, you're giving it a voice, you're saying, what do you want? What does my resentment want? Well, it wants to be free of the task of this job that it considers to be very grinding. The argument to that would be, well, who gets to do what they want to do all day? Well, then uh, you might argue back with that. Your, your resentment might argue back with that. With, But I need to breathe. I need to be able to breathe. You're killing me by doing these tasks that you really hate doing. And on top of that, doing some other people's tasks. Well, and then you might argue back by saying, well, see, that's the problem. I just need to stop having to do Joe's work, and I need to go tell Joe off, and maybe Joe will just start complying, which, in fact, may not happen at all. In fact, since Joe's got a good, such a great relationship with the boss, Joe might decide to you know, talk to the boss about some things he doesn't like about you and eventually get you fired. You never know. Not saying that's going to happen, but it could. Um, Certainly it has for many folks out there. Uh, people do get sabotaged by other people. Another good reason for having intuition and listening to it when it speaks. But back to the re resentment here, you can argue with that resentment. It will, it will give you more and more information. And then you begin to question your own beliefs. Then you begin to say, well, wh on what basis have I founded my belief that says nobody gets to do what they want all day every day. Where did that belief come from? Did it come from my parents who just did what they had to do and put food on the table and never complained about it? Did it come from um, antiquity of, of, of archetypal information about employment and what is a good work ethic and you should go to work every day and you should not complain about it and you should just have a good attitude and take your paycheck and you know, take care of your children and your family and don't worry about it? Where did it come from? And then you have to say, okay, where did it come from? Not only where did it come from, but why uh, is it really true? Is it really true that people can't do what they want to do all day, every day? Well, if we listen to some of the uh, most famous and wealthy people in the world, they would tell us and that's absolutely false. You know, you hear it all the time on these interviews with movie stars. They'll say, oh, I, they, they pay me to do this. I get to do this all day, every day, and they pay me to do this? 
Well, yes, they do. They pay them to do that. Why? Because they're doing it, and this is the amount of money you get to do it, and they get to negotiate their rates most of the time. Why can't you do that? Well, because you're not a movie star. That would be the answer, right? Well, no. The reason why you can't do that is because you tell yourself you can't do that. Not to say that you're going to be a movie star, but to say that you can be able to do what it is that you want to do with your life, what fulfills you, what gives you meaning. That could start off as a vocation. It could start off as an avocation. It could start off with you going back to school to get a degree in something you really want to be degreed in. Uh, it could be all kinds of things. I don't know the answer for you. What I can tell you is your authentic self does know the answer. And the less you listen, the less likely you are to find out. So listening to the messages from your emotions is vital to learning what the next step could be. But if we're sitting there trying to meditate away those emotions, trying to tell ourselves to calm down when we're anxious and happy up when we're depressed and um, don't notice our, our, our resentments and don't be angry, oh, don't ever be angry, then what we're getting is a lot of uh, closed doors. We're shutting ourselves away from our own authenticity and telling ourselves, don't feel those feelings because they are wrong, period, end of subject. They're wrong. You shouldn't have them. Well, my question is, if we come from a universe in which, uh, as so much of New Thought tells us, all things are good, then how is it that our emotions are wrong? It's a question worthy of thought. So what I would say is, no, they are not wrong. They're just emotions. They're not right either. They're sometimes quite irrational. As a matter of fact, most emotions are irrational. Uh, but the reason behind having an emotion sometimes seems rather irrational. We can tell ourselves, well, I'm jealous, even though I know that my husband or my wife or my partner is not going to cheat on me. I'm jealous all the time. Well, there's an emotion. It's a difficult one. Then we can examine that and say, okay, where did that come from? Where did I get that idea that I can't trust my partner? What is that about? Um, and we might be able to find out some noodle of something that came from this life earlier or perhaps even a past life or something that will tell us that, okay, well, this is what set you up to be sort of jealous of things that, over which you have no control when, in fact, you really have no reason to be jealous. That can help you get closer to your truest self. It'll get you, it moves you beyond irrational uh, jealousy and into something more rational because you've just explored it, because you've identified it, because you've given it a name and you've said, okay, this is, this is what I feel, but really this is what's true. And to be able to bridge that gap between what's true and what you feel is the process of, of recovering your own soul, restoring your own soul. So that, that piece is vital. If we have a negative emotion, then it is not meant for us to stuff it away, tell ourselves that we're bad for feeling it, beat ourselves up for having it, and uh, uh, pretend to the world and to ourselves that we're happy and chipper and wonderful and have a great attitude all the time. The truth is nobody does. Nobody's happy and chipper and wonderful and has a great attitude all the time unless they have truly been able to sit beside their emotions long enough to understand them and listen to them. And there is a real peace in that. There is a real peace that comes from sitting beside what we classically define as a negative emotion. Because it, that peace comes from the authentic self that's sitting beside that emotion. Anytime I've accessed the authentic self, and the authentic self is always going to put me into an observer mode, 
is always going to say, well, let's look at that. Let's think about that. Let's sit with that for a while. It's not going to say, you're bad for feeling that. You shouldn't feel that. Stop feeling that. Stop thinking those thoughts. Stop having that intuition. Your authentic self is not going to give you those messages. Those messages are false. They are not real. And so they are, they are going to lead you astray. Those are the lies. What we're, what we're all about here is the process of sitting with whatever it is that's inside of us. And the authentic self is the one who's doing that. And it will give you peace in the process of self-discovery. While you're having these other quote-unquote negative emotions, you will also have peace. And it may not be this great, big, overwhelming, light bulb, epiphany kind of peace, but it is a peace that says, I know that I'm going to be okay. It's a peace that gently persuades you that no matter what, you're going to be okay. That is the message of the authentic self, that no matter what, you're always going to be okay. Even in, to the point of death. Uh, the Buddhists have a, a ritual that they allow that uh, encompasses the idea of sitting with the idea of death, sitting with your own death, allowing yourself to experience a sort of uh, imaginary death so that you can feel that, so that you can let go of the ideas we have about death, that it's an end, that, it's, uh, that it's, it means that we've lost, that it means something, that it can be interpreted as something, when in fact it's just another part of life. So wh whatever, whatever we do in the process of letting go of our agendas about uh, what something means is also a part of, of discovering authenticity and of listening to the whining, what I call the whining self, the part of us that wants to just kind of go, eh, life is just not what I want it to be. And to be able to hear that message and to honor it enough to say, okay, all right, life isn't what you want it to be right now. How can you make it into what you want it to be? And to not make that leap really fast, to make it slow enough so that you can listen to yourself and hear what you're telling yourself so that you, you can begin a process that's authentic. In the pro and, and in that way, in that pathway, you begin to develop more and more of your vital essence, more and more awareness, I should say, of your vital essence that tells you, okay, this is the real me. I see people do this all the time where they, they recognize some um, strand of authenticity in their everyday lives and they begin to sort of pull on it and, and say, oh yeah, this is, this is fun, this is real, this is something I really want to do. And it expands and expands until it becomes a real part of their lives. So this is very important to be able to listen to ourselves. And we're going to talk some more about that listening process right after the break. This is Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just... I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. Ah! 
There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about Skills USA? Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. And what we've been talking about today is how you can allow your complaints to become the mother of consciousness, the mother, indeed, of authenticity. So how does that process work? Well, what we've said over the past two break, two um, segments is that uh, we have to begin to listen to those complaints rather than shuffling them off the board of our awareness and into the uh, backpacks of garbage that we carry around with us, repress and deny, and, and begin to honor those things, honor those feelings with, with um, attentiveness, love, awareness. Here's an example. So many times I work with the clients who are, have been abused by parents. Um, some of those parents were well-intended. Some of them were not. Uh, some of them were drug uh, uh, or alcohol addicted, and they were not um, conscious enough to be able to 
really even notice what they were doing. Either way, the uh, client has a lot of negative, quote-unquote, feelings about that parent. And yet, so very often, they've been telling themselves, oh, I shouldn't feel those feelings because that's my mother, that's my father. You only get one mother and you only get one father and that's it, so I shouldn't feel these negative things. Besides which, so many people who, ha who come from either the New uh, Thought Movement or any kind of uh, Christian background very often will say, but you're supposed to honor your mother and father. Well, first of all, that uh, scripture in the Bible that says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth, um, the word honor there has a questionable meaning in the Hebrew. It uh, comes down to know, K-N-O-W, know your parents, know your mother and father that your days may be long on the earth. And there is an honoring that goes on when we really know someone. It doesn't mean that we respect what they've done. It doesn't mean that we appreciate even what they've done. What it does mean, however, is that we know what they've done that we recognize it as the reality that it is. That is the highest form of acceptance that there is. And acceptance is the bottom line of every forgiveness process. We cannot forgive those whom we do not accept. And as a matter of fact, I would even change the forgiveness word to acceptance because it involves the entire process of, just like Kubler-Ross taught us, denial, sorrow, anger, bargaining, and finally, acceptance. And there is an acceptance process that we go through when we become adults. Whether we've been abused by our, by our parents or not, we do go through that process in which we begin to accept them for who and what they are, just the way they are. And that process involves all the same steps. And when we're kids, we are in, in denial, Then we, uh, and then there's some sorrow and some anger and some bargaining and some finally some acceptance. The deal is that when we are saying, I can't feel negative emotions about my parents, what we're doing is sort of bargaining with our own sense of goodness. I'm a good child. I'm a good daughter. I'm a good son because I tolerate, have tolerated the intolerable for my parents and I, quote, unquote, forgave them. I let them off the hook in my mind and I said to myself, it's okay. They're my mother and they're my father and you're supposed to re respect your parents. And so you just have to deal with it. And so what happens is all the anger and all the resentment and all the lies that we tell ourselves and all the lives we've been told are, are repressed. What is going to happen when we're trying to grow into mature, wise, spiritual beings is we're going to keep running into that repressed package of material and it's going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up until we finally un-dump un, uh, that stuff out on the floor so we can look at it. It's all about recognition. It's all about knowing. And we can't know what we refuse to see. And we cannot uh, see those things that we're telling ourselves we should not feel. So that process, what I'm trying to say here ultimately is that when we, uh, when we deny ourselves access to our emotions, we, are, we cannot be on a true spiritual path. Let me say that again. When we deny ourselves access to our emotions, all of our emotions, we cannot be on a true spiritual path. We will be trying to talk ourselves into um, uh, liking people we don't like, tolerating things we don't tolerate, 
um, um, being with people we just really aren't really matched well with, all of that, being in jobs we don't, aren't matched well with, we'll be talking ourselves into lives that do not really ring true to who we are. And that's what happens when we tell ourselves not to recognize our own emotions. So when I hear a client come in and they say to me, well, you know, my parents, they just did the best they could, even though they were, you know, they beat me with a razor strap and locked me in the closet and starved me for days at a time or sexually abused me or whatever, I'm making this up as I go, uh, you know, whatever their particular abuse happened to be, what what that uh, client is telling themselves is, no, I'm just not going to let myself feel that because, you know, I just don't want to feel it. And who could blame them? Who wants to feel that pain? But here's the thing. We have this belief that when we go to therapy or we go to uh, a guru or we go to a mentor or a teacher or a, uh, a spiritual healer of any type, what we've got to do is go back into the past, dredge up all those horrible emotions, feel them again, and then finally put it to rest. I don't believe that. I don't believe we have to go back anywhere and dredge up anything. I think it's already there. We're carrying it on a satchel on our backs, and all we have to do is take the satchel off and unbuckle the straps and look inside there and see what's there. We can do this as a present-day activity. We don't have to go back to the past what we have to do is feel the emotions we are having today because those emotions are going to remind us about stuff that's unresolved in that satchel. We don't have to go back, for example, the, let's go back to the guy who's in a job he doesn't like and he's also doing work that uh, his coworker doesn't want to do because his coworker is yammering with the boss all day long and the boss likes having the attention and the, this conversation so he doesn't stop him. So uh, I, uh, let's, let's call our person Sam. Sam gets to do all the work that Joe, his coworker, doesn't ever do. What has that got to do with the satchel of, uh, of repressed material on, on Sam's back? Well, perhaps, and again, I'm making this story up as I go, but I've seen similar things, so I think I can make this up pretty well. Um, what if... Joe had an older, I mean Sam, had an older brother who reminds him of Joe. And the older brother got all of Dad's attention. And uh, the older brother was, um, you know, the star, the, the golden boy in the family. And, um, and Sam got neglected and maybe even abused. What's happening here is here's Sam again looking at the golden boy. And, and what he's done all his life is try to bargain with his parents, try to get their attention by being really, really good, being quiet enough not to be, you know, disturb them, but being really, really good by getting everything done. Well, he's doing the same thing again now. He's in that same rut. He's uh, doing a lot of really good things, hoping the boss will notice, and the boss is too busy talking to Joe to notice. And so Sam's back in the same situation again. Sam doesn't have to revisit the past re-traumatize himself, you know, try to dig down under the blood and guts of his life to find out what's really under there. He doesn't have to do that. All he has to do is look at his situation right now to see what's unresolved because whatever's unresolved is present today in his life. And Sam can resolve the past by resolving the present. Does that make sense? The reason it will make sense to you if it does is because the present is filled filled to overflowing with unresolved material that's floating around the air all the time, all around you, 
and you think maybe you've stuffed it down into that satchel on your back, but really it's got a really long, ugly tail, and other people see it, and it's called your shadow. And other people will look at it and go, you know, yeah, he's, he's a people pleaser, or Sam, that Sam. He's always trying to please the boss. Poor Sam. He's just never going to be happy. Sam doesn't notice it, but everybody else does. And one of the sayings from AA that I used to uh, hear a lot when I was back in the uh, days when I used to work in the drug and alcohol field was, if 50 people tell you you've got a tail, maybe you should turn around and look to see if you've got a tail. I love that statement because it's really true. If you've got a lot of people telling you that you're doing something or saying something or acting some way or have some attitude, perhaps you need to consider that maybe all of those people haven't been wrong. Maybe you really do have a tail. So if you've got 50 people telling you that you're, what, uh, unkind uh, sometimes or angry or you've got an attitude that's like a chip on your shoulder, maybe you need to look at that and say, okay, 50 people have told me that, and, and you don't have to wait till it hits 50, okay? Don't wait till you're trying to reach over that 49th person. You can do it when there's only three people telling you that because you don't have to wait until you stepped on so many people's toes that they all have to tell you that before you get it. Getting it is what it's all about. Listening to yourself is what it's all about. Paying attention to what's going on. And part of that is, is paying attention to what's going on inside of you, but part of that is also paying attention to what is going on outside of you. And so, as in the first segment I said, we have to be able to look at the real world outside of us and make critical judgments about our own lives, about what we're going to do with certain scenarios and certain people and certain events to be able to live an effective life. In the same way, we have to be able to look at what's going on inside of us to be able to make critical decisions about what we need to do for our lives, to soothe ourselves, to bring, ring true to our realist, realist, if there's a word, our most real passion. So it's important to look both externally and internally. And we're going to talk some more about that in just a moment, right after the back break. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love.
Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearnings.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment of Authentic Living. We've been talking today about using your complaints as an opportunity to become more authentic. You know, that's the whole story is that we have tried so long and so hard to not complain. We even have some uh, people in our churches and organizations uh, or even corporations having people wear a bracelet that says, Don't complain. You know, the bracelet doesn't say don't complain, but if you don't, if you do complain, you have to take it off and put it on the other wrist, and you have to do that for 21 days so that you don't you learn not to complain. Well, I think that's fine if what you're complaining about is an invalid complaint. If you're just like uh, being like the Israelites in in uh, crossing the desert who are saying God is not among us and nobody's taking care of us and you know, um, I think it's okay to begin to tell yourself something different there and to say, no, in fact, we are being taken care of, we are going to be all right, and, uh, and uh, to find that peace inside that allows you to, to, to recognize that things are really going to be okay. However, 
I think that so many times when we do that, what we're doing is excluding from our lives the possibility of changing and growing and becoming real, becoming more authentic, becoming more loving, becoming more true. We're so often afraid that the more we uh, look at ourselves, the less we're going to look at others. We're not going to be compassionate people if we start looking at ourselves. But that's really not the truth. What happens is the more we look at ourselves and understand ourselves, the more we can understand other people. The more we forgive other people, the more we accept other people, the more we accept ourselves, the more we're able to see clearly to accept other people. One of the ways, one of the most effective ways to uh, be able to allow yourself room, space, time, and energy to really begin to listen to yourself is to surround yourself with other people who will who will trust you through this process, who will not try to tell you to stop, uh, stop feeling your feelings. You know, so many times if you cry, somebody, somebody will say, somebody in the group will say, don't cry. Well, that may not be a, a supportive uh, directive, I guess, because really what they're saying is, your tears are so painful for me and I just can't be around that. Maybe they're not really saying that. What they're really maybe really saying is, oh, I feel so sad with you, and I, I don't want to feel sad with you, so let's just don't cry. But if my tears will offer me an opportunity to become more acquainted with what's going on inside of me, then I need my tears. I need them. They are my body talking to me, my mind and my spirit talking to me about what's going on in my life. Maybe they give me direction Maybe they just help me get settled down deeper and deeper into my truest nature. Whichever the case is, though, they are there for me. They are there for me, about me. They are not there for someone else or about someone else. My emotions, except for the emotion of compassion, is, is not really about someone else. We always say, well, I'm angry at so-and-so because he or because she. Well, really, we're not angry at. We're just angry. We're not angry at. We're just angry. And so we need to sit with that anger and listen to that anger and allow it to give us some direction for the next step in our lives. For example, when Sam was angry at Joe for yammering with the boss all day long, what really was going on was that Sam, in fact, had an old unresolved issue about his brother and about his own need for uh, a sense of himself that is recognizable to other people beyond just performing for them or pleasing them, to be seen for who he is, not for what he does. And so recognizing that moves Sam to a whole new position in life. Not recognizing that allows Sam to stay stuck in the same old agenda. And so if, we, if we're going to look at our feelings, we need to be surrounded by people who are willing to, uh, to give us room not just space, but also comfort to do that, to recognize that you can speak to your partner and say, you know, I got really sad today. Something happened, and, boy, I just felt like I was going to cry. And I, I didn't understand it at the time, but I've sort of been thinking about it all day, and here's what I've come up with. Here's what I think it means. And to have your partner listen to that and be there for with you in that and just, just, just kind of do the same thing you're doing, listening to it, honoring it and encouraging you to follow your own inner direction. So many times we've got so many shoulds coming at us from other people and, ergo, from ourselves, that we don't really 
stop long enough to even breathe into an emotion, much less listen to it. And, and so surrounding ourselves with other people is important. We can even teach our children how to do this. You know, so many times our children can be upset about things that we consider to be relatively minor, but once upon a time we thought those same things were really, really important. So little Johnny comes in the house and uh, his, his friend has uh, hit him over the head with something, you know, and, and little Johnny's upset and he says, well, I hate Jimmy because Jimmy hit me over the head with that thing. And, and so many times parents will go, oh, you don't hate anybody. We don't hate people. Oh, well, at that moment, Johnny's feeling something he describes as hate. Now, if I change that around and tell Johnny, no, 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 that's not the right definition, what does Johnny learn from me? Johnny learns to not really be able to name his own emotions. Now, hate is a real interesting term because what I think of as hate is, hate is love wounded. Hate is an is a, a, a emotion I cannot feel unless I care about somebody. If I don't care about somebody and they do something, then I'm probably going to be indifferent to it. But if I care about them and they really wound me and I say I hate them for it, well, that's probably because I care about them. So hate is not, you know, the same as indifference. Indifference is just basically not really noticing much or not really caring much about what's going on. And even that is okay to feel in certain times and places. It's okay to feel any time. Um, because it also is informative. It gives us information. We also have another lie we tell ourselves, that we're supposed to love all people. And or No, let me change that. We're supposed to like all people. We're supposed to like all individuals. And, and, and so what we do is we tell ourselves, well, you know, I like them, even though we don't. What's happening is we're not being able to pick and choose the people that we need to be around who are going to be the most supportive who are going to be able to surround us with the kind of love and support that we need to be able to listen to our own emotions. We are selective beings, and that process of selection is important to our, our particular journey on, in this particular incarnation. Perhaps in this life, we're not supposed to be hanging out with Mary or Joe or Sally or Sue. And so telling ourselves the lie that we should doesn't help us to get where we need to go. You know, we're going to be talking some more all throughout our, our, the next year about authenticity and where it leads us. And next week, we're going to be listening to Jonathan Ellerby as we explore the sacred. And so, until then, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 
visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.